this is Rachel. Hey, this is Spencer. And this is Neon Boots, the 90s country music podcast. And today we have with us Alex Bingham, a Durham musician and producer who plays in Look Homeward. He plays with the Dead Tongues. He plays with Anne Claire, with Kate Rudy, with Hard Tuck, which we talked about very early on. And it's the reason that we might be here today. Right, exactly. So blame them. Blame Alex and friends. (laughs) Mostly Alex for us existing. So, hi, Alex. Hey, that how's note. it going? Yeah. I mean, that's it's amazing that this band, we put hardly any effort into, <laughs> has, like, sprouted so much stuff. Like, it's one of those scenes, I'm like, that's not an actual band. And then I realized I may have played just as many shows with that group as I did with professional bands yeah. this year. And I'm like, well, well there's a band a of pros. Band. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's great. I think I didn't realize how awesome it is to mm-hmm. just, like, not care about how loose things are yeah. and really pushing that limit <laughs> yeah. well and for the listeners listeners who maybe have not had the opportunity to see hard tech yet it's mostly covers yes and it's made up of just great musicians that are spread across that all had their own projects right that there were and you guys just come together for fun don't give a damn play some fun music yeah it's I think we were wanting to be the band that played the songs that you got excited about when you heard them in a bar especially mm-hmm. 90s country okay. stuff but yeah. Also, it started out as a Casey Musgraves cover band for my mom's 50th surprise birthday party. So it's only, that. yeah, and it's only been, I hired the people who were my really, really good friends who were down to learn 40 songs <laughs> <laughs> to play in a clothing boutique store. Oh. So it's all like, you know, the good people who are just like the best to hang with and are really mm-hmm. in it for the, the hang always, which is tend to be my favorite band. So, so how long was that set if y'all played 40? That's a pretty long surprise. Yeah, well. <laughs> I hope um, she was happy. <laughs> well, it ended up not being a surprise because my aunt called her and was like, "Is Alex there yet?" Oh, uh, so and she ruined it two years. We've done it two years now, and it's the surprise has been ruined both years. But that's okay because the heart of it wasn't yeah. it's still still there. Still there. Um, yeah. But the set was probably like two and a half hours. All Casey Musgraves no, or no, no, y'all no, mixing no, no. in? Okay. Uh, we just picked a lot of my mom's favorite music. When I think of my mom's two favorite songs, they're "Brand New Key," which is the roller skate song, yeah. mm-hmm. and then "These Boots Are Made for Walking" by Nancy Sinatra, mm-hmm. and then. She she just loves Casey Musgraves. It's the new common denominator of just pure love in my family for music. And so, yeah, just had to had yeah. to bring it to her when she... Were y'all all really excited about her winning the Grammy? Oh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Was, I mean... I love her face. Like, it was such pure surprise whenever she won. <laughs> well, and all the memes that she, yeah. she was oh, yeah. like, make some memes with this face. Uh-huh. And like, yeah, just... exactly. No, I mean, she's great. I, I've The band that I play with, well, Comeward, we wrote a song about her being on the Grammys, but that was written about her first mm-hmm. Grammy appearance yeah. I don't know how many years ago but she yeah she came out and looked amazing with her light up boots right and all that stuff a good time. immediately fell in love well and we we've talked about Casey Musgraves before and we relate her a lot to our patron saint Dolly Parton right and I think her doing that thing where it was like make a meme of me is a very Dolly thing to do to like she's in on the jokes about herself totally and yeah. loves it and eats it up and encourages everybody else to run with it. Totally, yeah. It's somehow the uh, anti-establishment and mm-hmm. thrives within... I mean, she won Album of the Year. Yeah. I mean, she's obviously doing really, really well. Yeah. And, you know, stands for all the good progressive things. Yeah. And the new this is country. just gradually going to become a Casey Musgraves and Dolly Parton. And Joe Diffie. And Joe Diffie <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, oh yeah, am I your first guest with a mullet? Yes, 
You are our first guest that truly looks the part as a 90s country musician. Yeah. So yeah. thank you. I switched my pair of shoes today from the shoes I wear every day to boots just for you. As so. you I thought that it was Joe Diffie at the door well, when you came in. We'll take a picture and we'll put it on our Instagram so good. everybody yeah. can see. <laughs> Perfect. See how pretty you look today. Yeah. Well, I actually have a lot that I owe to 90s country because my wife, Carly, loves mullets, which is a very unique thing. Yeah. 90s music is like you like so many amazing music videos and she had a few on VHS and she had some um, Billy Ray of course yeah and so she watched that and would dance to it all the time all the time mm-hmm. and now whenever I get a fresh mullet cut um, she's all the more in love with me I bet it's, it's real I yeah. feel very loved every time I get my hair cut and she also love like hockey like NHL players um, some pretty strong mullet game yeah I don't know I haven't looked much into that I'm sure she has I'm sure yeah. he, might, yeah, he might ask her how yeah, tough conversation. Totally. Well, so, wait, yeah. I just have a question about these VHSs. Like, yeah. were they purchased VHSs, or this was like she recorded off of CMT in 1994 whenever the music was It's a really good question. I don't know the answer. I think when we've talked about it, I think her mom bought them for her. Oh, okay. Um, and she had a few of them, yeah. And what's even funnier about the whole mullet thing is when I was a kid, this is not my first mullet. I've had these. <laughs> this is my fourth. <laughs> your first fourth radio, not your first mullet. Not my first first radio, not my first mullet. Um, Can we dig up some of those pictures to absolutely. post on the Instagram? We got some time. I weigh all of 100 pounds and so pale. And, um, but my first one, my sister called me because my parents were out of town, which is like, I can get a mullet parents out of town. Time to party. Um, in the back. In the back. Just yeah. in the back. <laughs> exactly. And uh, we went to uh, my friend's house and he shaved, actually had a skullet. It's when you shave the front of your yes. head. And uh, my sister called me crying and said I would never get married. Genuinely weeping. She was oh, very, very concerned. concerned yeah. and, Did uh, she think your hair wouldn't grow back? Like she, it would just she, only grow back in that fashion? She's always cared probably a little too much about what I look like. But in her defense, I do push it a lot yeah. of times. So, <laughs> to Rachel's agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, it's it's not crazy that she was, she was pretty upset, but... It's not that crazy to feel that way. But the joke's on her because I got married in a mullet, so. There you go. And, and you're loved because of the mullet. I am loved because of the mullet. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about how 90s country inspired some of the hard tuck stuff and all that. What what else have been your experiences in 90s country? Like, did you grow up around it? Yeah, I, I grew up in Alabama, first eight years of my life, and then moved to Roanoke, Virginia. My mom was a big horse person, and so I would go work in the barn with her and exercise horses and stuff. Stuff, mm-hmm. or I worked at summer camps and whatnot and I was like always the only boy in the whole barn and Star Country Radio which is the station yeah. like at Arona was always on so I that was just like always a soundtrack and for a long time I was like not into it because I was mm-hmm. like a teenage boy who was like getting into the Ramones and ACDC and like going through my classic rock phase right. Right, or whatnot so I was always like a little bit turned off at first but always had a love for the Dixie Chicks like even though like for the longest time I thought Goodbye Earl the lyrics were genuinely that girl had to die <laughs> really yeah that's right and <laughs> that was that was that's a great misheard lyric just in terms of like flipping that entire song in his head yeah. like yeah i know i know and that was consistent across my family that wasn't just me like you all thought that we all it's thought that writing girl, in our two girls like, i know I, it doesn't make any sense i can't i can't back it up in any way 
<laughs> it's obviously much better written as Earl it actually dying, is. Yes. Yeah, but um, <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. Well, that goes back to the conversation we were just having on the last episode with Skylar about not being able to understand the lyrics of Norma Jean Riley. Sure. And I, I always think about you know people that are not from the South that are not surrounded by these accents all the time. Right. Like, no wonder they think that we're all crazy. Cause oh yeah. You can't understand a damn word anybody is saying. And then sometimes the ones that you do understand, you're like, that's so weird. Why? Did, <laughs> why, why are you talking, talking about that? that? Why does that feel? Why does that make you guys feel like home? Like. <laughs> It doesn't make sense. I think I remember seeing some star countries that still exist in Roanoke. I'm sure it does. I think I saw some signs. Uh, I went up to uh, Roanoke for the first time this summer for Floyd Fest where Alex and I hung out. It's blowing up Casey's plan. Yeah, I saw that. I want to go for that reason, if nothing else. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked previously about taking this show on the road. Are we going to broadcast live from Floyd Fest, Spencer? Yeah, we should make that happen. We should make sure we have uh, a friend that's playing there so that Um, we can just like set up in their tent. you, You know who's playing there? I don't know. American Aquarium. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> hey, BJ. Hey, BJ. Hey. Um, call us. Yeah, we'll be texting you soon. <laughs> we can relive that last experience I had with them. I don't I would do be. That. I would be Can't so awkward if she, like, walked by. Because, like, you know, that's how that festival is. It's, like, you know, free-flowing all yeah. the worship back there. Like, and she seems really down to earth, but I think she's one of those people that would be, like, a little bit starstruck. Probably a lot starstruck yeah. by. And just freeze up. <laughs> hey. <laughs> totally. You're pretty. Hey, hey. You're Casey Musgrove. Yeah. That's you. I don't know if you knew that, but that's you. <laughs> I wrote a song about you, put on my album. <laughs> that's you, man. You that's, gotta, you gotta own that. You. Don't, don't put that on me. <laughs> totally. Well, what's funny is that we recorded that album almost three years ago, and Wilson was playing with American Aquarium at the time, mm-hmm. who's also in Lacombard, and he had the song on him, and they were playing the, the same cruise party crazy yeah. thing, and he saw Casey at the bar, and he had every opportunity to go and show her the song, but he was... He didn't. Her, her fiance was there. Fiance at the time was there, and so he he chickened out because it is a song about confessing her love to Casey Musgraves. I mean, anybody that's going to be engaged or married to Casey Musgraves has to understand that the entire world loves her. Absolutely, yeah. And I it, mean, and if he has a problem with that, then get the, get out of here. <laughs> he's got a lot of stuff he's going to have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought about that over. I mean, that's, I'm I'm on your side. I wasn't the one. I'm totally throwing Wilson under the bus here. <laughs> God, well, she wrote that song early on, the Burn One with John Prine song. Song, yes. Which I don't think is the same in terms of confessing your love, but at least was this yeah, you know, gets sto- story song yeah. about hanging out with your idol kind of thing. Yeah, and then played it with John Prine. That there's that one video where I think it was also like on a cruise or something. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but they were in the same place and he's sitting there on stage watching her play that song, which is pretty hilarious since they yeah. introduced it together. So she gets it. We have a few avenues of people who play in her band or have mm-hmm. played in her band or whatnot that we'll get it to. I think at our album release, I'm I'm trying to get everybody to tweet or Instagram tag her. Okay. And in the video that we'll, we'll do that. playing it. Okay, so we've talked a lot about loving Casey <laughs> Musgraves. Um, <laughs> and we've talked about how Hard Tuck brought us to this podcast. The other thing that brought us to this podcast... Ooh, great transition. ...is the song that you chose, Alex. Yes. Tell us about that. So I chose Reba. I chose her song. Well, it's actually Bobby Gentry's song, Fancy. Mm-hmm. But she covered it and I think released it in 91. Mm-hmm. Recorded in 90. And it carries with it, like, my favorite parts of what you could get away with in 90s country is still a five minute song mm-hmm. 
with a fade out. I took a note that uh, CMT ranked Fancy as number 27 on its list of 100 greatest country songs of all time. Right. It's amazing. Absolutely deserving. Totally. And one thing I had kind of forgotten about until I was looking for info on Fancy is that the radio edit cuts out before that final verse. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of messed up because there's not that kind of like redemptive sort of, if you will, like arc to it. It's like, okay, and then it just didn't. You know, there's no, it doesn't complete the story, which is I remember the first time that I I heard the full version with the extra verse and I was just like, holy shit, my mind is blown. Like, Fancy really did make it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and what like a crazy, like props to Reba for, she brought it to her producer like in in the mid 80s and he was like, no, no way you're gonna. Yeah. It's like a crazy subject matter that it's like super cool that that, a sex positive Southern Gothic story like made it to the top 27 country songs of all time. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, so he said no and then she got a new producer eventually and brought it again and that's when she released it and and it was a hit. Well, and I also read that another reason that he declined or encouraged her not to record it was that he felt like it was too close to the original Bobby Gentry version and he wanted to make sure to keep those two things distinct. Sure. I went back, I had actually never heard the Bobby Gentry version until I was studying for this and I like it. It's a whole different type of sound but Reba's just sounds so much like sadder and soulful and it's an anthem Bobby's version is great it was recorded at Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals like it's got a great sound but it doesn't have that soul that it's yeah it's classic it's got soul in a different way it's got soul like soul music whereas Reba's is this it's like heart-wrenching yeah it's this huge production super loud big choruses and amazing 80s going into the 90s production that is uh, so just specific. Yeah, and I think in our first one of the guests, our episode with BJ, I argued in favor of some points of the night, the lights went on Georgia, the original, I enjoyed the production, the arrangement of that probably more than Reba's version, because mm-hmm. it had that you know Wrecking Crew backing, and it was kind of like spooky and all that, but this one, I think it's like hands down Reba's version, yeah. like, you know, the chorus explodes, and like, even the original, I'm a big fan of like horns and music a lot of times, and the original has that in the chorus, but just doesn't do it as well as like that guitar riff, that same thing that is yeah. on guitar and it just sounds so much better I think and like more determined and all that than in the original where it just doesn't have the same power yeah. to it totally and, I think. and I, I think it's like as you're talking about the producer didn't want to it was too close in time wise to Bobby's version but then a few years later they ended up doing it and now all, it's Reba's version it's Reba's song well and I actually did not realize that it was a cover which I love learning about how many 90s songs are actually covers and going back and listening to the originals and reading I was like Bobby Gentry why do I know that name yeah. Spencer do you know why I know that name I do not know why you because know <laughs> I think you know this is wow I'm putting on the spot Bobby here. Bobby Joe Gentry is the homecoming queen in oh, Joe Diffie's pickup man oh shit but Bobby oh the musician is Bobby Lee Gentry so it's not right, the same some, person some artistic license there yeah maybe Bobby Joe was named after Bobby or, Lee Gentry or, right right yeah maybe the timeline is there yeah, where it could up. be. This is the bringing. I think he's uh, going to make the call right now and say that that's what is, happened. Yeah. Maybe Bobby Joe Gentry, the homecoming queen, is like the daughter or granddaughter so of Bobby when Lee we, Gentry. When we go see Joe Diffie yeah. in a couple months, uh-huh. oh, and wow. we definitely are going to meet him, right? So we can just ask, we, we'll corner him. Alex, you know? he's playing in Liberty, North
North Carolina on oh, yeah. May 17th, which is exactly two weeks before my due date. That's, that's, also, that's also my mom's yeah. birthday, so thanks for outing me, Rachel. I was just going to be like, oh, I've got plans, and mom definitely is going to listen to this. Your mom is going to understand that we need to go see Joe Diffie. Um, mom, Spencer's going to take you out on Saturday hey, we'll, instead of Friday. We'll go, he still loves you very much. We'll go see someone else. I don't think you care about Joe Diffie. I was just talking earlier about how I always take her to go see Willie uh, Willie Nelson, and she fell in love with Sturgill last year because he was playing with, mm-hmm. with Willie. So That's we'll find great. somewhere else to go, but <laughs> Sorry, May, May 17th Italian is booked. <laughs> Sorry. May 17th is booked. We're going to go see Joe Diffie <laughs> um, and ask about who Bobby Joe Diffie oh, I, is. I've got a lot of questions to ask <laughs> Joe Diffie. We're going to have a list. I might, another, oh, mullet me. Man. <laughs> another mullet man. Another mullet man. mustache, yeah. One of the greatest mullet men. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Do we just want to listen to... To this song and just all of us cry together? The answer to that is always yes. I do always want to listen to Fancy. Yep. Let's do it. Okay, so while we were listening to Fancy there, we also started talking about Dolly Parton, obviously. As we often do, the conversation turned to Dolly. And Alex, what did you just tell us? I have had season passes to Dollywood for many years of my life. And we were just talking to Skylar about how we want to get a road trip to Dollywood Dollywood. together from the Triangle. I would probably be one of the better guides that you could could have. Okay, so so we're going to... So our first choice is Dolly for our guide. Just, Wait, just to be up she front. shows up at the park from time to time. She, I yeah. saw Dolly, I've seen Dolly Parton. What I think is Dolly Parton. I'm pretty sure it is actually Dolly, but it, I, you know. Do they employ lookalikes? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't done my research. But you know, Dollywood has become very popular with the LGBTQ right. and a lot of drag performers right, and right. stuff. And right. she even lost a drag competition. Right, as herself. People, right, as right. herself. So you might have just seen somebody dressed up. Right. As her. Well, or it might have been the real deal. It was advertised as the real deal, so oh, I believe good. that it was a real deal. And it was a magical thing where I walked into the park not knowing this was about to happen. She was on the train. There's a train that goes to the whole thing. She was on the train, and we walk right in, right as the train is going by, and Dolly is just waving. And magical. It was just like catching a, uh, a spiritual yeah. being out of the corner of your eye. Yeah. And just, yeah, it was. Did you just turn around and leave at that point? Because what? What's going to top that? Yeah, it's like, well, my day peaked. Yeah, I'm I out. mean, definitely the roller coasters were uh, not quite as <laughs> no. exciting. So I kind of teased this in, in my text messages to y'all last night. Fancy is on Reba's 15th album. Dang. God. Called Rumor Has <laughs> it. Which was also released 29 years ago. Yes. She Jeez. put out her 15th album. God, she's just a badass. Here um, we are talking about it. The name of the name of the album is Rumor Has It, and it also includes a TV theme song for a 1990s show called Delta which starred Delta Burke as a country singer. Right. And as Spencer discovered, there's an episode of Designing Women where the Studebakers are talking about how Delta Burke's character won the Miss Georgia pageant or whatever. And she did such an amazing performance. She had this on-fire baton that she threw into the air and it sparked a 
Transformer, and that was the night that the lights went oh out in Georgia. God. It's like you, such a mic drop moment. You have to go watch, like, the clip. Oh, my God. It's just so good. Because it it's makes, based in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Designing Women is based yeah. in Atlanta. It I just want to like go back southern, and watch that show. southern woman put down insult moment like it's just like yeah. such a great because she's, like she's, she's not talking shit already feel to the relief. right yeah. <laughs> she's talking shit to another beauty queen who is like who thinks that she's better than what Suzanne Studebaker was whenever she won Miss Georgia right years past but she's doing that whole thing where it's like I'm gonna basically tell you to fuck off but without stooping to that level right like yeah. I'll still keep myself on the high road more or less while like just, a good like just, a good southern woman right, does right well, Tells you to fuck off without having you. to say the words. Yeah. And then drop some mic and, and yeah, exactly. So good. So we were talking some while we were listening to the song about the backing vocals of mm-hmm. different parts of it, which is one <laughs> of the things. Exactly. That's like one of the things I love most about the song is just those little things that they get thrown in there on the production. And oh, yeah. One thing kind of along those lines that this is pulled straight from the Wikipedia. Stephen King put out a book in 2008 oh. called Duma Key. And in the book, the character gets in a car accident while Reba McIntyre's fancy is playing. Apparently, anytime in the book, the red things come up, it's referenced like it is in a song where like, you know, she can that yells the red part the all caps exclamation point in the book whenever something is red it was it was red uh, yeah, there you go. I was I was listening to this yesterday in the car with Carly, and we have a tendency to throw in uh, those backing vocals where they don't belong <laughs> on things like we're like a uh, an occasional aristocrat. aristocrat. <laughs> <laughs> Makes no sense because you can only do mostly one syllable. <laughs> but, oh, but so good. So you need to like re-record this and just have all the bad the backing. Right. I think it'd be a YouTube hit, just like Jeff Crawford showed me this. We took Friends and the claps, oh, yeah, extended yeah, yeah, them yeah, through yeah. the entire thing. Yeah. God, I didn't, I didn't, didn't want to mention this, but since you brought up a YouTube thing, there's also a mashup between. Reba's fancy and Iggy Azalea's fancy. Right. It's It's intense. It's bad. Yeah. It's a lot. It's pushing it. I remember whenever the Iggy Azalea song came out and being pissed off that it was called Fancy. Wow. Because I was like, this song is so shitty, but it has to share a name. (laughs) Throw shade. Yeah. Go for (laughs) it. Well, I'll throw some shade at Iggy Azalea. But it's like, why why are we even... If I Google the word Fancy, I don't want to see Iggy Azalea. I want to see Reba and nothing else. Right. She's just getting in your way. You talked about you've played this song yes, I, a lot, okay. played, performed the song a lot. Yes. I'm not going to talk about who it was with, because I will also probably be throwing some shade. Oh. But I, out of college, was looking for some sort of stable job in music, and I joined a pop country group that was really important for me, but I hated it. Oh. And learned all the great lessons that you need to because mm-hmm. I, I wanted a consistent gig and was down to tour because I, you know, could. But this was a machine. We got signed by Sony. And when those things were happening, our manager would come up to us and one, tell us what to wear. I was luckily fine because I look the way that I do with a mustache. <laughs> Did they hair. let you have the mullet? I had long hair at that time. Okay. So I had Willie Nelson braids. Yeah. I remember you with Willie Nelson Yeah. Braids. So that, that was like right on point for them. So I looked didn't have to change anything that I was wearing but the 
most amazing thing about that stuff is the venues we played at first were all honky tonks where people would want to come out and two step. So we had to play songs like that, but there was like a lot of evidence about which song sold the most alcohol. And so oh. we knew 50 covers of, and our set lists were based on where we were going and what song sold the most alcohol in those areas and fancy was on the list no matter what no matter where we went if we were in like the middle of nowhere michigan or in seattle or in florida fancy was always on the list it's so interesting to play a song and just see all the people rush out to the dance floor Mm -hmm. i mean it was like the main songs that were always on the list are always women fronted songs like is a bunch of shania twain Mm -hmm. any man of mine gets people out on the dance floor every single time We had Fancy, a few Dixie Chick songs, mm-hmm. but it was like all these songs that were strategically put in the set list because they were proven over and over again to sell more money, to that make more money for the bars. crazy. It's I insane. Am, I am so interested in this algorithm that determines yeah. Yeah. No, stuff. it's very, very like real. The yeah. marketing very nerd tight. in me is like geeking out of, and the data nerd is like, hmm, tell me more about this. Yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I wish I don't have much more on that other than like I saw some spreadsheets and this, mm-hmm. there was always like a your set list emailed to us. Yeah. Spreadsheets, you're speaking my language right now. <laughs> yeah. I was not in charge of any of those things. I was told and was learning. But, I mean, you always had, like, friends in low places. Yeah, well, yeah. Things that people are going to go buy a shot of whiskey and take with their friends Mm -hmm. when when we start playing it. Straight Tequila Night probably had to be on there. It's funny, certain things that you're like, that's got to be obvious. That's That one's too depressing. Yeah, it it was more of, like, the ones that absolutely everyone knows the words to and the ones people can dance to. But it was, like, I think the big takeaway for me was that, like, most of the anthems that we think of in 90s country mm-hmm. were mostly female led. Oh yeah. Yeah, like those are the ones. I mean, that's what I knew. And I mean, granted I grew up with two younger sisters and like was always working with my mom and mm-hmm. had all girl cousins and I've never had a brother, boy cousin, any other male except for my dad in my life ever, but I just only knew Shania Twain, Dixie Chicks, you know, all yeah. that stuff was what I think of first when I think of 90s country. There were a lot of like kind of generic male vocalists. Sure. That yeah. would kind of the pop mem- up. The memorable artists or the female. Right. Like right. there'd be yeah. other than like Garth and a couple Joe Diffie, obviously, a couple others. <laughs> There's not as many who, like, I would say were as memorable in terms of, like, you could pick out one of their songs. Like, yeah. you would have one of those guys that would just pop up for, like, a song or two, like Daryl Singletary, that, like, had, like, a hit or two. And they and all kind of sound like George Jones. Yeah, They're yeah. coming out of that. I honestly think that both of the artists that Spencer and I have chosen for our songs today can kind of fit totally yeah. in, into that category of like you probably know mm. their songs but there's not anything that's particularly just I know that's say what you will about your about artist them. no your <laughs> artist fits in this yeah. <sighs> I mean yeah I know his songs and stuff but if you put a pictures in front of me I wouldn't be able to tell you which one was him alright I think at this point they revealed this Clay Walker and you are damn sure he's an attractive looking man no uh, he doesn't have the I mean Sure, he's attractive, but I don't think that there's anything about him that stands out. As a vocalist? As a white country singer from the 90s. He had some of the best songs of the 90s. Well, you surely didn't choose the best one. Oh, man. (laughs) 
Alex been... is holding us back from each other right now at this <laughs> no, point. No, no. We're about to have some yeah, fight. It's, it's I'm not holding good, anybody it's a back. It's good thing I'm... that Alex is sitting yeah. in the middle. Bo is <laughs> going to get worked up. She's going to start barking. <laughs> yeah. We kind of ruined the talk of fancy. Were we done Yeah. that? No, I'm not done. Okay, let's keep going. I mean, okay, so another one of my favorite things, as I kind of mentioned earlier about 90s music, is you still had the, like, opportunity to carry this big country tradition of these long storied songs. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I, when I asked a few friends of mine, I was like, what is fancy to you? They're like, oh my God, it's like the best story. They said it's story. You know, and that's like something that you don't see a lot anymore. Like I was listening to an, a podcast, that Broken Records podcast, mm-hmm. and Malcolm Gladwell had like Don yeah. Slitz. Slitz, yeah. yeah. From and Durham, Bobby Braddock. From Durham, yeah, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And Don Henry yeah. on there. And they were talking about like when they went to Nashville and they were shopping their songs all around, which was like such a crazy different process than it is now. Mm-hmm. And it's like they had problems when it started to shift because they were writing these storied Stories. songs and Right. And like, you know, you don't, the reveal isn't until the end of the song. Right. Just like in Fancy, like she made it out. She's like confident in who she is. Her mom, even though it was like really tough situation, like mm-hmm. heart-wrenching thing, there's this big reveal at the end of the song and the chorus makes more sense. Yeah. And it's like, it all connects and right. that's what we're all waiting for. And that's where we like start crying and we're like triumphant and grabbing a beer at the same time. It's amazing. And I would say, we talked about this some of the last episode with Skylar when she pit Tim McGraw or something like that, which is one of those songs that seems almost kind of like engineered for everyone to kind of relate to because mm-hmm. it's so generic. Yeah. The references are for the most part. I mean, there's a few things in there that, you know, the barbecue stain, the Mardi Gras, all that. But like venturing a guess here that probably most of the listeners of Fancy cannot relate very strongly <laughs> with that story. No. You Not know, like story maybe, specifically, maybe but it's a feel good story that oh, yeah, everybody absolutely. wants to wants to relate to of you're in a bad situation, but things turned out okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I mean on the specifics of oh, this. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of specifics. There's a red dress, there's a roach car across her foot. There's all these little there's things. It's turning to prostitution just there. to survive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Watching there's... your sister get carried away yeah. by, by, or the baby yeah. right. carried away by child services. There's New Orleans, like you always want to have, uh, this our obligatory mm-hmm. New Orleans mention, yeah. <laughs> which we love. But there's so many specifics there. And so I think that's what makes it great. And also an amazing video. Yes. Back to how 90s music, country music has Rita. amazing videos. That is Reba did a such short a great film. job. Yes. So, and, and it was the same way with The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. Yeah. Like, she just killed it with the music videos that just continued the storytelling aspect. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's so thick. It's amazing. So good. Yeah, I think that would have been one of those things where if I had access to TNN or CMT or whatever at the time to watch the music videos, the whole phase where like I didn't know what the song was really truly about would have not really been as long because it's a little yeah. bit more obvious when you're watching the video. There's yeah. She's telling the story through the video as well and you're like, oh, okay, I can pick up on what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mother-in-law actually looks like kind of like Reba, I just realized. Oh, fun. That's a compliment where I, like I come that. from. I hope, yeah. I hope you're oh, yeah. as a compliment. Absolutely. When McCready, you uh, you look like Reba. I hope you hear that. <laughs> <laughs> that need, you need to make that like her Mother's Day card. Yeah, you look well, like Reba, and yeah. that's a big yeah, ass this, compliment. Just written on plain notebook paper, you look like Reba. <laughs> Not even wrapped, just fold it up, <laughs> she, put she, it in her wallet. She, yeah, she should frame it though. That's what she probably, probably would. She has a lot of things framed in her house. <laughs> You, oh, you could cross stitch if you want to be fancy. I need to learn basically is where this boils down to because to cross stitch. Yeah. Okay. I've never done it before, so I feel we like we can have a cross stitch day. Yeah, okay. yeah. We'll here. come back next time. I'm back here. Okay. Can... So I have so, some embroidery. So the thing, I, I guess I can just go ahead and admit the thing. One of my friends at work showed me at her grandma's house, which makes it even better that her grandma didn't hung it. Or her grandma's a state fan, as am I. Wrote Carolina fans never have hemorrhoids because God always made them perfect assholes. 
which I oh my God. love and that's so much. Yes, cross stitch. Which is it wouldn't be funny if it was like a meme on the internet so much, but being, being cross stitched in a southern grandma's home makes it. And so and just the mention of hemorrhoids. That's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and funny. I'm just envisioning like a grandma cross stitching the word assholes on like, there too. Like and you start thinking that's about so all their funny. buttholes when you hear that. You know? I did. That's exactly what that's I like, thought. Oh wow, everybody's butthole. Uh, all right, I was I was is trying not to envision in, is that. Is it hung in the bathroom? I'm not sure, but I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> that was where my imagination was taking me. Key question. Yeah. Where in the house am I going to find this cross stitch? On the front door? <laughs> if it was my house, I'd probably have multiple in every room just to remind oh people God. of my feelings. That would be strange. So I'm sorry. Good. Not the okay, first strange well, thing. What, I mean, I, I feel say, we talk a, about Reboot forever. Is there anything else? Well, there's always something else, but we we should probably leave time for the other two And we'll songs. talk about Reboot okay. more in the future, we're, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we're going to talk. We'll, we'll have you back and we'll talk about Reboot okay, again. Okay, great. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to move to my song next because, again, I hate Spencer, so we're saving it till the end. <laughs> The song, the song that I chose was uh, <laughs> "Bubba Shot the Jukebox" by Mark Chestnut. Again, I really like this song, but his looks, you know, talking about Clay Walker, who's apparently a good-looking man. Yes, um, ma'am, he is. I don't know that I would put Mark Chestnut in that category because he looks a little bit like Ted Cruz. Right. Yeah. But I imagine. <laughs> I imagine back in the 90s before anybody really knew who Ted Cruz was, there might have been some people who thought that Mark Chestnut was good looking. Well, he was a Zodiac killer when that happened. Oh, yeah. What if Ted Cruz is really just Mark Chestnut and the Zodiac killer? Yeah. There's a... And that basketball player. Who's he the did shoot the jukebox. Player? Bubba shot the jukebox. Bubba shot the jukebox. Ted Cruz so, shot the jukebox. Zodiac killer. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I bet we could find the Zodiac killer if we went and looked at Dennis Lindy's map. Ooh, yeah. So, so, so he wrote this song. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's this Nashville songwriter that we've talked about before because he wrote Goodbye Earl. My favorite song of all time, honestly. John Deere Green. John Deere Green and a bunch of others. I'm not, I can't think of all of them right now. But most of them following that storytelling type of oh, yeah. format. And he basically made a map of like this imaginary town that all these events were occurring in the water tower from John Deere Green all these things where Earl died you know all these things were like mapped out on his fictional town which it sounded really awesome in my head it still was an awesome process but the photo was in a New York Times article which it wasn't online and my friend Holland sent me the picture of it and it's like a computer generated like 92 era like he plotted yes. it out <laughs> There's like a square that just says like this, you know, the water tower. Oh and there's like, you know, this is like a crosshatched location, you know, does shade in like the water or whatever. That's, that's kind of things. So it but wasn't. I would love for somebody like a, an artist to do like an artist. Yeah, that's, that's what I was in. You know, those like you go to a touristy kind of town. It's got like all the hot spots in the yeah. town. And it's like, what you know, illustrated map. map. You could take the uh, Earl bus tourist trip. Yeah. Okay. A quick aside. Uh, We're never in favor of Assad, so go ahead. <laughs> Quick um, aside, in 90s country, there's not many moments for a bass player to really shine through. Mm-hmm. You're, you're like you're playing your role, and you better love it, or else you're going to have a hard time enjoying anything you do. Side note, you play the bass. Side note, I play the bass most yeah. of the time, yeah. There's one part in Our Goodbye Earl mm-hmm. where cops came in, right. bring Earl in, search the house high and low, right. and then there's a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's my big moment. Oh. 
that's my big moment and it's not really that great but it's it is it's, a it's very important to me yeah. yeah and you have to be hard on your bandmates about it because they'll they will Still cover it up light. they'll cover it up i yeah. mean i have i have to tell joseph's tale to get the heck out of the way well they all should just drop out at that point yeah. this, this, this makes it up well they bit. should that's what's basically on the record right, yeah. right, right and it's it's really just the bass and a little bit of drums and and uh they keep trying to put other stuff in there it's i i like, really no, it's I just, get really upset it's a bass purist all right well i hope this doesn't break <laughs> up the band since we spent so much time on reba i don't want to go too far back talking about reba again <laughs> but um the bubba shot the jukebox was released in 92 as the third single from mark chestnut's album long necks and short stories which great album title yeah great album title right um, on point but that also includes uh the song it's not over if i'm not over you which was originally recorded by reba on her 84 album my kind of country right so it all goes back to reba yep as always. we are finding out always and then this song ended up peaking at number four and you know in addition to just the great storytelling which dennis lindy is so wonderful about as we've talked about already there's just some fun lyrics that i just i hear them and it just makes me giggle like bubba ain't never been accused of being mentally stable and <laughs> reckless discharge of a gun that's what the officers are claiming bubba hollered reckless hell i shot just where i was aiming i'm just like Bubba, you get the Bless Your Heart Award this week. And then <laughs> at the end at the end of the song, the lyric that says it was a justifiable homicide. I just, those, and the way that Mark Chestnut sings them, they just, I don't know, it makes me smile. But like a guy that's going to shoot a jukebox, I can imagine him saying all these things. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the thing. He just like, he, th- a, that is I the character. I can imagine that his name has to be Bubba. And yes. B, he would, yes, he would absolutely say all of these things. Yeah, I mean, it's like the classic continuation of males not being able to uh, cry unless they do yeah. something over the top afterwards, you know? <laughs> Fragile well, masculinity in a song. That's okay. So I, I told you guys I was going to ask you this. What song, if it came on a jukebox, uh-huh. would make you go out to your truck and get your 45? Side note, I love that it's a 45 and like also jukebox 45s. Yeah. Like, I'm, oh, you know, yeah, that's nice. I, I love that little like... I didn't know what a 45 play was. On <laughs> yes, a little... I, so whenever I heard this song, and of course... You mean the gun. The, the gun. I didn't know what a 45 was. So whenever <laughs> got a I, tiny little record. Tiny little record. Um, <laughs> growing up and listening to this song, not knowing what a 45 was, my mental image was Bubba getting a shotgun. Right. And uh-huh. going in, which I feel well, is just seems, like so much more. Yeah, a, a shotgun with a guy named Bubba seems a But it had that play on words, so I'm glad that yeah. Dan Lindy went, went with went that. Went for the 45, yes. Yeah. Okay, so what song? What song would make you cry to the point of wanting to go get your 45 or your shotgun? I will say my, uh, it might be Put Your Picture Away by uh, Kid Rock and... Um, <laughs> oh my God! Uh, Right, we said you were going to be back on the podcast, but you keep talking about Kid Rock here. This is the second time you brought him up. It's the first time when it was recording, though. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll edit this one out, too. You bet your ass. Well, and, and the re- the reason why is because I have actually cried to that song before, and I get frustrated because I... It's so bad? It's so bad. Yeah, I think my favorite part of the song is where Kid decides to like buck up and uh yeah old kid decides to buck up and really go for a few notes there mm-hmm. uh when he said i tried to drink you away or something mm-hmm. it's like i tried to drink you away it's like really intense so i hate it and love it all at the same time 
<laughs> so I would I would cry and then want to shoot it. That, that makes that, sense. That yeah. would probably be the only scenario. Yeah, that's a good choice, Spencer. Yeah. I gave you a so heads up that I was. You did give ask me a heads up. This. So of course I overthought it. I don't think there's a song that would actually like I would cry, be like angry. I'm crying out. I'm okay like leading into that because like you know, whatever. That means it's a good song that's like touching or whatever. So probably the most on point I guess answer this in terms of memories I associate with it. Uh, November Blue by Ava Brothers, specifically the live version. Mm. And the song itself isn't necessarily, I mean, it's kind of a love song that's also kind of like a yearning love song, but it's not as much that as much as it is like I was a huge Ava Brothers fan in college, which was a time of like Mignonette and Four Thieves Gone and Emotionalism. And so I saw them a ton. A lot of my memories of being in my early 20s were like soundtrack by Ava Brothers songs. Mm-hmm. Or like, you yeah. know, mixtapes I made had like Ava Brothers songs on them or like stuff I was sharing or singing with friends or those kind of things. So like, it's sort of like a nostalgic thing where it's like, oh man, it's not like I want to go back to that time in my life, but it's like, there is some nostalgia about that and, you know, being in college and hanging out with your friends till, you know, three in the morning and going to see the Avery Brothers a couple times a weekend sometimes. So if they yeah. were just road trip around and see them. So there's a lot of like, you know, nostalgic memories tied to that. Mm-hmm. And just like, I listened to the live version from live volume two of that song so much. Like just the whole thing just ingrained in my memory. Like when like, Scott's like, let's do Wanna Man for, for shits and giggles. Just off, off the mic, like all that stuff. Like I was listening to it today. I was like, it's so vivid in my mind. And so it's just like, brings a rush of all those things back to me. So it's not like I would cry over that song, but it is kind of like a, Gets me in my feelings. Yeah, I've cried to that song before. Okay, I have one more because I didn't know about this previously. That's okay because I don't have an answer, so okay, y'all fill in all this time. Ooh, rude. I know. Sorry, I pulled a Spencer. This one is uh, <laughs> when mommy meets Jesus tonight. That Christmas song. Oh god, oh, god. that's like the worst song ever, and the this, video is really bad. Those they press all the buttons to like. That song makes me cry because I don't deal with death well, mm. and the fact that this little kid is trying to buy shoes for his mom. Yeah. Uh, the Christmas shoes song. That's what you yeah. were talking about. Yeah. 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 I hate that song. I hate that song. Tonight. Which I can almost guarantee you won multiple double awards. So that's probably another reason why you hate that song. You what? Uh, Rachel, I hate that song. R- Rachel oh. is not a fan of songs that have won double awards. And I feel pretty strongly <laughs> oh. that that song has won a double award. If not, that song, something, uh, something's wrong. It's my least favorite. might be one of my least favorite songs of all time. So that would be one where I honestly, like, even right now, I'm like, I really don't want to talk about it much more because I'm... Yeah. I hate that song. Well, then let's not talk about it anymore. Let's talk about something else. Do you pick let's a talk song? About Mark Sorry, I brought it up. No, I told you I didn't have a song. I couldn't choose one. I don't. It's, it's probably you can there just, are definitely songs that make me cry, but there's nothing that makes me cry so much that I then want to go. Well, yeah, ruin I don't think good time for everybody. I don't think that's any of our. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe Alex with Christmas shoes but I don't I mean I'm not that shooting a jukebox ruin, over this that would ruin some times for me yeah see I would be more likely to shoot a jukebox because it was playing some song that I hate right yeah 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 and that's what I struggled with is like usually those emotions are so separate so your song is the one I picked that's who I'm here probably shooting the yeah over. I'll, I'll yeah, there are fun. a few songs like that Rachel has song. banned from this podcast and I think we've done at least one actually and I think mine might, might have well been I didn't know that I wanted to ban yours but we actually haven't listened to Bubba Shot the Jukebox yet. We've just been talking about it. So do you want to listen to it? Uh, yeah, yes. yeah, I guess. <laughs> Here it is. Jerk. <laughs> Reckless discharge of a gun. That's why the officers are claiming.
thoughts about that song after we listen to it that we haven't talked about already? No, I could get like nerdy and say stuff like, you know, the the snare sound is ridiculous and, yeah. and amazing. Is all. it really or are you just making that up? No, I mean, no, okay. it's ridiculous. It's like, you know, like that 80s, 80s, 90s, like just so, I mean, it's so heavy and so loud yeah. and so bright and, you know, it's like not quite the gated reverb kind of thing, but like yeah. it's that, I mean, that's like the big part of the, the 90s production is like all of a sudden you have the digital capabilities to do all these crazy things so they can, you know, replace drum parts or like or you can get all right. these crazy sounds and whatnot and still figuring out how to yeah. do digital stuff so they not knowing blow it up. Yeah, not knowing when and how to draw the line. Yeah. Doing yeah. some things just because you could do it sometimes. But yeah. and That was kind of the 90s just in general. <laughs> it's amazing in its own way. And also, I think it's back. I think a, a lot of like the good parts about the 90s have circled back. Like we mm-hmm. are back there again. Mm-hmm. I have a mullet. <laughs> Both fashion and musical taste. Like a lot of my favorite bands now are kind of like slowed down grunge. And I love it. I'm here for it. I'm not so much into some of the fashion types of things oh, that man. come back. Well, speak you... for yourself. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like women's clothes. Like there's a picture of an artist and I don't even know who they are, but they're playing at Motorco sometime coming up because the ad keeps popping up in my like Twitter feed or whatever. But she looks like she's on the cover of Adelia's magazine. Mm. And I love... So dream come true is what you're saying. Well... I am a little bitter because my mom would never let me order anything from the Delia's catalog. Like, uh-huh. I would get it. Do y'all even know what No, it is? you're going to have to go listen here. I know. <laughs> I have a rough idea. Actually, I, th- I yeah. do think I know what you're talking about, I mean, but I'm not sure. Did you see the movie 10 Things I Hate About You? Yes. Okay, imagine all of the clothes that they okay, wear. Okay, gotcha. I'm with you. That is... Delia's, that does was it have a magazine. sort of... Does it have any sort of, like, modern floral I something? I think that Delia's the, might I've, still be a thing. I feel like it it's might be... It's a little, be... like, a uh, flower. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I haven't seen this ad necessarily, but I feel like it could be Japanese breakfast and we'll show you. That's who it is. Okay. I could see that. Doesn't that look, I mean, the shoes, the high-waisted pants with the crop top, so a little bit of her With the extraneous, extraneous pockets for no apparent reason. Yes. Just yeah. to be there. Those that are, is Delia's catalog. Like, I would have circled that in the Delia's catalog that. and asked my mom to buy it for me. And she yeah, that's said like no. the, that's the mix between the, like... Instead, we went to JCPenney and bought Arizona jeans. But I think musically also it's like coming back a few of the artists that I'm working with have like directly told me like hey I'm not afraid of this sounding a little bit like the 90s mm-hmm. or a lot of it like mm-hmm. the 90s and lean into it and I'm, I am I agree I think like yeah. we're at the point now however many years later that we've sifted through enough time away from it and sifted through like what we love about it yeah well and, and the and music there are definitely things about the 90s that obviously country music that I'm cool with like bringing back and remembering fondly yeah but there's other things that I'm just just like why? So Mark Chestnut. Yeah, Mark Chestnut. Hey, <laughs> yeah. whoa! There's a tangent. He's currently on tour. He's got shows in Charlotte and Greenville, South Carolina, coming up in April. And I got a notification from him this morning because I follow him on social media now that he has a new duets album Ooh. coming out, or that is out now with a bunch of '90s greats, with our man Joe Diffie that we've already talked about, mm-hmm. Leanne Womack. George Jones, a bunch of other folks. Heck yeah. I hope so, they're like faded left and right channel. I can just hard fade to the Diffie side. Maybe. There's I'm another, not, the not, Diffie song, there's a third person on that song as oof. well. Yeah. Wow. May not there, be as easy. Why not just seed him the spotlight? I, I it's supposed to be like a duet. So they're supposed to be doing it together. Hmm. So that's yeah. subtraction by addition there. Yeah, sorry. Add, adding someone else in, still away from Joe. Yeah, yeah, keep it to the duo. 
All right. Any other thoughts about Mark Chestnut? The big Mark Chestnut song that I always think about is when he, him and George Jones do that, I Don't Need Your Rockin' Chair. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the, the big one that is big amongst my family. Well, and there's like two or three George Jones duets on this new duets album. Cool. With him, so maybe you'll be into that. Marcus. All um, right, now let's talk about Spencer's shitty song. Hell yes, my amazing song. One that I don't think as strongly as Rachel has been wanting to talk about fancy. I don't think it's quite to that level, but this is one of my favorite 90s country songs, maybe favorite 90s songs, period, as she's shaking her head at me <laughs> in disgust. <laughs> I don't know why. So I've already revealed it's, it's Clay Walker. And the song is Hypnotize the Moon. I'm sorry, I just love this song. It's really corny. Mid-90s, baby. But yeah, just like totally leans into that chorus when it hits the better run for cover part I just love that transition right there I don't have a lot of reasons for loving the song beyond just I really enjoy it you just stare Rachel's just staring at me like kind of like <laughs> explain yourself it's like when when you're like in trouble and explaining to like your mom like why like you why did you what did you something. did she's gonna be that look and I'm just like um what's well, a good song and um it's good and I like I'm it and it's good and fate. well okay let me tell you why I don't like it first yes, of all please do please tell me about how wrong you are <laughs> First of all, I think we established whenever we had Aaron Terry on here that I am just usually not a fan of slower adult, uh, contemporary, adult contemporary feelings heavy country. Like that's just not my jam. So that's but, like what about for, like I swear by John Michael Montgomery or anything I, like that? I mean, I love John Michael Montgomery, but I that is not my favorite of his. I mean, I'll listen to it, but it's because I like him. So not, you're just saying purely right now, you're just, I, I do not like Clay Walker is what you're saying. I'm saying that I don't like this song. I am saying that If I Can Make a Living is a better album oh, and I a would, better song. I like. And if I if you're going to make me listen to Clay Walker, don't make me listen to this one. Okay. So I think that's probably the best Clay Walker song. But it sounds more like a lot of the other 90s country songs alike where this one's different. There's it's also got, something about this song, and I am not a musician, so I I don't know how to describe this. It almost sounds like he is singing in a different key from what the music is being played in. Wow. All right. So Rachel's lobbing <laughs> accusations out now. I don't. And it, well, let's I, listen to okay, it. Yeah, well, I was going to say, this it. is a good time to listen to it. Alice can defend me and how right have I you, am. Have you listened to it? Yeah, yeah. To I, I listened to it a few days ago. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know this previously. Okay. Well, let's listen. Let's listen to it now. <laughs> you bet. Okay, so I'm asking Alex, who's actually a professional musician, (laughs) to put into music terms why maybe I'm not feeling this. I don't know if I have the right answer or not, but I 
what I hear is this is another person that like coming straight out of the lineage of the George Jones cut type of like over singing over like the inflection is super intense mm-hmm. and when that's happening on the song especially when he's singing above himself and the, like the harmony above himself like it's not always matching up perfectly yeah. and so it, it's something to my ears that I don't necessarily I'm like that's out of tune or something like that but if you like sit and listen to it and for some people like it just sounds Rachel, off it sounds off yeah I understand that. I see both sides of it because I'm it doesn't matter. He's real. He's, so, not, so he's is, not so the, feel, the edges are just smoothed out by the Nashville machine I yet. I, I feel like I I Everything could like so this smooth. song if it was like in a different key or something. Yeah. I don't maybe. know. So Alex, your mission is to record the song in various keys until we find one that the makes one that, Rachel yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah all right. basically. <laughs> Next time I come back, I will have all twelve keys <laughs> of this song, um, major and minor. Ooh, up and doing down. Doing some minor keys would be a probably not a good idea. Uh, you know, if that's what you guys want, we can skip the minor okay. keys. Yeah, I'm perfectly content with Clay Walker's version. Yeah, so. I mean it's it's like the sugariest country production. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that super. Clean, clear. Everything in when I think of '90s country, everything is super clean, super separated. Like as in, there's no like the band, even though they may be recording together, mm-hmm. they're they're mostly in different rooms, and there's no bleed from any other instrument into any other microphones. Right. You have complete separation, and some of it's fake, like a, a lot of fake drums. Like there's like a version that, like of Chattahoochee, that one song where it's literally just the same drum train beat the entire time through. Drives me crazy, but I still love it. Yeah. And I'm like they. Got got away with that they got away with it um, well this one like listening to the song I love the piano in the introduction I love the pedal steel it's just his voice doesn't mm-hmm. fit I'm sorry Spencer I'm trying well and for me the part that I start to get a little bit tired of is this super sweet the super like lush piano with the fake strings on top yeah that always puts me in a uh, like this feels dated kind of way I it think- does feel dated Spencer, I think it's, it's just oh wow! Well, it's this song. It's this song the for the mid nineties feels dated. That's weird. How did this song not not sound dated from twenty five years ago? Weird. Well, I'll say this too. I mean, like, there's certain songs that have that kind of production. Maybe not as intense as this, but like along the same lines. Like a lot of what I almost brought in was. Um, the hell is his name? Uh, Keith. Uh, Keith Willie. Keith Willie. Thank you. All of his stuff is like made in that era, right? And it's like once again when Hard Tuck started playing some of these things, or like Libby Roden or Kate, where Joseph would bring like these songs to me separately out of Hard Tuck, I'd be like, "Whoa, this is an amazing song! Like yeah. this is a great song written by a great songwriter who I think you guys have talked about." We haven't talked about Keith Willie yet. But, well, um, I mean Don Schlitz. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah um, sorry. Wrote a few of his songs, right? And uh, oh, this is a great song, and it just it, it exists in this. It got really popular through Keith. Right. But I like it because I think Keith really sells it with his voice. Speaking of with his, his voice. voice. It's all about the vocals. <laughs> okay. Who's so, singing it? What are they saying? So I'll, I'll say this. Um, speaking of popularity, uh, Re- Fancy by Reba peaked at number eight on the country songs chart. Bubba Shot the Jukebox peaked at number four. Wow. Hypnotize the Moon peaked at number two. But so the people have spoken. Obviously, <laughs> there obviously was nothing Ooh. decent. 
on the radio at that time. Mm, I think we need to see what what those songs what are behind. What was the date? I don't know. It just has the peak on, on Wikipedia, not as a debut and all that. I think the songwriter story is a little bit interesting on this one. So it was written by Eric Koz, I guess is how you say his name, and Steve Dorf, who they co-wrote together George Strait's I Cross My Heart and some other songs too. But Dorf also wrote the theme songs. We talked about some theme songs mm-hmm. earlier for Murphy Brown and Spencer for High and probably the highlight for me he wrote the music but not the lyrics to the Growing Pains theme song which is an all time great and he did the music for the um, 92 musical western film Pure Country starring George Strait which I have yet to been able to find streaming but something I really want to take a look at I'm sure it's not speaking of things that don't hold up well I think that's probably pretty (laughs) high up on the list but I read a story from Steve Dorff's autobiography but I I didn't find this at the library unfortunately so of course I don't have it yet but it came up in the Google Books like preview where it was talking about this song and basically you know he was a Nashville songwriter uh, as was his co-writer on here and you know a big part of that is like holding a song for an artist to record mm-hmm. and so they had like just written the song and Ty Herndon, his uh, people had said, his, his producer said, you know, we want to put this on a Ty Herndon record. Like, it's going to be huge. We're just going to need a few days to get to him. We'll record it. We want to put it out as a single, all that. So, like, yes, we'll hold it. We're not going to show it to anyone else. So then it ended up being one of those things where a month or two went by, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. Finally heard back and was like, we're going to the studio now. The album's going to be done this month. Can't wait to record it. All that. The producer comes back, says, you know, it's a great recording. Can't wait to release it. And, you know, again, says it's going to be a single all those sorts of things and then the release date for the album comes up he goes to the store and buys a CD looks on the back and the song's not on there and the producer basically like oh we just at the end of the day thought it wasn't like we didn't quite hit it like maybe we can try record again this, the next album and like and at that point it had been like almost a year like you know eight or nine months that he had kept this song on hold for Ty Herndon who you know was successful so I understand you know he's like cool noted artist former member of Diamond Rio is going to record this and then he refused to keep it on hold for basically you know, another year till the next album rolled around and then the producer who was working on Clay Walker's album which ended up being called Hypnotize the Moon heard it they mm-hmm. recorded in a week released a single felt like they got it which they did in my opinion <laughs> in, your, um, in your opinion yeah they, and, and in his book he does say this hit number one Wikipedia does not verify that but you know I could believe it it feels like a number one to me it tugs on my heartstrings like a number one would I just I want to read the list of songs that were on the hot country whenever Hypnotize the Moon hit number two and you tell me if you know any of these off the top of your head okay number one that week was No News by Lone Star keep going okay (laughs) that was the number one okay yes I know Lone Star but I can't think of that song off the top of my head number three was Walking Away by Diamond Rio and that was going down and that one was going down of course things go up things go down number four was You Gotta Love That by Neil McCoy number five was What Do I Know by Ricochet look number six number six was Shania Twain but it was You Win My Love that's a good song right come on and it was it was going up but I mean like I'm going through this list and there's nothing that My Maria was at number 15 by Brooks and Dunn that's the first song on this whole list that like jumps out at me Heads Carolina Tails California was at number 16 
moving up. But it's like th- nothing in it's the, the top. The and flows, Rachel. Nothing just, in the top fourteen would be a song that I would say. Shania, you win my love. That's the closest one. Nothing else is like anything that like jumps out at me as you know '90s country music that a song that I want to go and listen to right now. Well, I mean, I do think it's a shame that Fancy by Reba only hit number eight, which I assume has a lot to do with the length of that song because it was on the long side even the radio edit. Yeah. But I'm just saying there's other Clay Walker fans out there apparently other than just me and my cousin. Okay. I I also want to bring up something (laughs) else about Clay Walker that you have left out. I don't know what this is but I can't wait to hear about it. Clay Walker has a daughter. He actually has many children. His oldest daughter's name is McClay Delane. All right. His next oldest daughter's name is Skylar. Look, look, you're naming your son Chattahoochee, so I don't want to hear. (laughs) You are naming my child Chattahoochee. Well, there's a text agreement if you give birth at the Alan Jackson show. If I give birth at the Alan Jackson show, then the child's name would be Chattahoochee, but that would not necessarily be my number one choice. These are the names that Clay Walker chose (laughs) for his children. I'm still calling him Hooch, just for the record. That's fine. You can call him Baby Hooch. McClay Delane... Skylar Clay Ann. Oh. <laughs> and then he had a son with his second wife that he named Elijah Craig. Oh. There's also William Clayton in there, just for the record. Well, I mean, but Clay Walker's name is Clayton. So right, so I'm saying he has another he has another Eugene one in there. Clayton. Yeah. You Ernest. Ernest. Yeah. Ernest, Ernest right? Ernest, yeah. Ernest Clayton. Yeah. So there's a Clayton in there too. Okay, but I understand if, and if you wanted to name your daughter, you know, Rachel Clayton Walker, that's fine. But the whole like blending the names McClay? to McClay, McClay Delane, and his his first wife's name was something Lane. Lori Jane. She Lori was a rodeo Jane. queen, which she sounds was a rodeo queen. that should have been Lori Jane the Rodeo Queen is that a should damn be a song. 90s country song. Yeah, like, right I don't there. know what he was doing there. But I mean, I, you know, apparently not only does he have a weird voice, but he also comes up with strange names for his children. I hope you're also reading the same section of the Wikipedia, which I'm reading along with right now, too, that how he was named humanitarian. He got received a humanitarian yes, award for his that. efforts related to multiple, multiple sclerosis, sclerosis which fundraising. Which diagnosed with, yeah. Mm. So, you know, you can just keep the hate train rolling towards Clay gonna... Walker. I'll keep the hype train rolling towards him. We'll I guess you're what... a horrible person I now, am. Rachel. Sorry. <laughs> He's got you. I guess, I guess we're bad. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for not hating multiple sclerosis as much as I hate Clay Walker. Clay Walker. There's no, there's no violence in the song. No jukeboxes getting shot. You know, That's, just a clean. It's adult contemporary country. Oh, and it's gosh. boring as shit. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry, Spencer. No, I'm, I love sitting in between these. <laughs> this, this right now. I like how you're like mediating. It's like it's gonna be okay, guys. Like, yeah, this is this is my job as a producer. It's oh. Just to help bands. You could just be the biggest so, so are you just go. Can we uh, and not pay you at all? Just hire you to be our producer of our podcast and just yeah. kind of keep the the tensions from getting too hey, high. Guys, I think we're both here to like reach a common goal, and yeah. uh, you know, we're, ne- but, neither of you guys. But is you got totally admit. Whenever it comes to things like this, be it a podcast, a TV show, a little bit of tension is great. Is great. That's where a lot of so that's where we are right now. Yeah, that's where we are right now. So, Alex, yes, what do you have going on soon? You have a big CD release. Uh, yeah, I think later this. Uh, what's the date? Because we're definitely not recording this in advance. Right tonight, March eighth. You have to let them know our showbiz secrets right. over here. <laughs> <laughs> You're smart. Uh, playing a show with an older band of mine, Look Homeward. It's our album release. The album's been out for a month. 
but that's going on. The album is called Gold Plated Dime. And you can also just search for the Casey Musgraves song on there. Find yeah, that on totally. all your streaming well, services. And another uh, example of how 90s country has influenced me and production stuff is, uh, even though I didn't produce the song specifically, way back home, the, the uh, first track on there could very easily, with a few production choices changed, yeah, exist yeah. in a 90s country arena. Yeah, so you're playing that with... Playing that. Uh, at Motorco. At Motorco, Kate Rudy's opening. You're going to play with Kate as well? I'll probably come out and play a few songs with her, but it's mostly going to be solo. And she'll be singing with the band as well, because she did uh, a lot of great uh, singing on the record, as she always does. I hate to cut you off, you know, I love you. I love Kate. I love your music. Uh-huh. Anything else is going on March 8th? Well, you remember I might have brought it up I got already. a text earlier today or yesterday that said that Clay Walker might also be playing. So. Yeah, Clay Walker is playing March 8th also. So it's going to be I mean, really I think tough. I we've established where I'm going to be. Right, which is at neither of them. <laughs> <laughs> If the I truth understood comes, our conversation, the truth comes out correctly. <laughs> I, no, no, my, no, the March first, the March first show is the one that I may not be at. Oh, okay. okay yeah, okay. March eighth is still well, up in you, the air. You weren't there. Yeah. You weren't there. I weren't there on. You weren't there on March first. Right. That didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight you're still up in the air. It's almost a game time decision. It will be a game time decision depending on what time my flight from Chicago lands. Since I'm currently in Chicago, right now recording. Thank this you for, for phoning in. Yeah, oh. I feel so close to you. Yeah, we're, this is the budget we have to you know use that airplane phone, the back of the seat to call in Rachel and talk for like this episode has been long as hell. So who knows? Yeah. So. Um. My heart will be in Charlotte that night. I might, I'll probably end up in Durham, but you uh, know, so that I hope you know now after this conversation, that that's an honor. Yeah, that's huge. So, I mean, you know, if you want to, you know, cover a Clay Walker song, I'm not saying it has to be Hypnotize the Moon, but you have a few hours now. Yeah, to learn one. Since this oh, I'm is. pretty sure Alex, everyone in the band cover, is very hypnotized familiar. Hypnotize the moon, I will boo you. Great. Maybe that's. But no one you know, will I've be able to hear it on stage. So I've let's always do like, it. Yeah. No. <laughs> hey, let's, hey, come on, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry, Spencer. But it's gonna be a fun Sorry. night. It's We're gonna be real. It's a great. It's a great. It's, there's great weather right now. <laughs> <laughs> Motor code always feels very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I got that show going on. A few other little tours. Working on the new Blue Cactus record. So nice. I know that they're looking for uh, some funding right now. So if you guys know who Blue Cactus is or don't, check them out and think about supporting them. Right. And we're going to have Steph Stewart and maybe Mario as well on here soon, we hope, for yeah. Blue Cactus. Yeah. Any other albums you're playing on, working uh, on, or... Well, working with both of the Rodenbow sisters right now, so awesome. doing some demos with Libby, uh, turning into some full songs, and then her younger sister, MK, yeah. who is an amazing songwriter. They're very talented in that family. We're going to be doing her album a few days before the Blue Cactus album. Nice. Later this month, just nice. in a, a few Same. a few weeks from now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then doing a little bit of tour with the Dead Tongues, and then also moving into a trailer, so... <laughs> Uh, fixing you up. really, you really okay. buried the lead there on the the gal with the mullet playing country music, moving into a trailer. Yeah, as you've been talking, convince Carly to move into a trailer that we're refinishing right now. It's a 1976 Avion. Nice trailer, big old silver thing. 
Uh, so, are you calling her the queen of your double wide trailer these days? Does that start happening? Yet? If it was a double wide, I would. But the queen yeah. of your single wide. It's the queen of my twenty six foot. I don't know what that trailer yeah. that measures out to be, but it's it's, it's single not, wide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it? I guess, is it a traveling know. one like it's a, a Airstream? Camper tra- yeah. yeah. It's a it's a competitor's version of an Airstream. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna log off now so that we can plan this trip to Dollywood. <laughs> yeah. Logging off another AIM away message. <laughs> Posting up for the for the '90s kids out there. Yeah, thanks for having me, y'all. This is fun. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. This is great. Thanks for being here. Yeah. And we'll we'll see you at Motorco tonight. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye, mom. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I was like, love you. Drink